Hello. Hello, Marilyn. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Pretty, pretty good. Good. Um, I've been going over my notes and preparing for the program. Oh, I love that. I love when you prepare like that. Really? I really prepared a little bit. We didn't get too much uh, new email this week. No. So I had to cut some whole cloth. Mm. Whole cloth. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Okay. You, know. you having a good week? Yes. Big week. Big week this week, yeah. Ooh, a lot going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're recording a podcast. We should do this. Let's do it. Why not? We don't even need a reason. Same thing. We just do it to mm-hmm. the to the gophers. We um we have a topic for this week. You have a topic, and I have a topic. Okay. Uh, I have some front matter that is interesting. I love front matter. Uh, courtesy of a uh, friend of the show, John Syracusa, I am informed via John and via my own email inbox that the Nest Cam IQ is adding the ability to rotate an image. Is that meaningful to you when I tell you that fact? Rotate an image meaning that it's normally showing it sideways and you might... Maybe, mostly on reconcilable differences, but I feel like almost everywhere I've been pissing and moaning about the... I bought the fancy new Nest Cam IQ. Uh, Formerly Dropcam, they got acquired by Nest. I've been using this Dropcam for two, three years and I really like it. And they introduced this new one that's really baller. It shoots at 4K. It presents at 1080. But it shoots at 4K, meaning it can like follow things moving. It's got motion detection, and it zooms in. Ooh. It's really cool. It's got face detection. John says he gets alerts like when his dog barks. Like there's all kinds that you can really like tune this thing. So there's lots about it to like. But I was very frustrated by what I perceived as the removal of uh, a feature from the previous um, hardware. Which is the abyss is kind of boring, but it's kind of exciting. And since it's a bit of mine, I want to get this out there. Uh, and so I'd written this really, uh, fairly negative Amazon review about it because uh, basically I like to mount mine on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. This is very sensible to me to mount this on a ceiling. Or, you know, the whole reason to have mounting, I'm not going to go off on a rant here. The whole reason to have mounting is to put it someplace besides horizontal on a shelf, right? Right. And this thing's real frustrating. Now, well, the huge one for me was. You know, they, so they had, maybe because of the addition of this new functionality, they had removed the ability in software to say, okay, take that image and flip it, right? But they also have offered this thing up as this, oh, it's so great, you can mount it, and it's got, what did they say, 160 degrees of rotation. Hmm. And you say to yourself, oh my gosh, 160 degrees of rotation, that sounds like a lot of rotation. But really what it is, it can go 80 degrees to the left or 80 degrees to the right, so if you mount it on a wall, guess what? You get you get <laughs> you're still ten percent off of skew, right? Off right. of plumb. Like you're still getting like this bent up image. And I was very frustrated by it. I was frustrated by the fact that they've moved to a camera tripod mount. Like who has those? Who's gonna put a tripod mount? <laughs> it's just, uh-huh. It was all so weird. I just didn't seem very well thought out. Well, at the same time, I was very excited about this new technology. It's got face recognition, so it can tell you when an unfamiliar face is at the door. Ooh. Yeah, so you can imagine my frustration. Well, I'm happy to say, let me see what all this email says, uh, that they are announcing that. I have not gotten a software update yet, but I imagine that is coming. So there are three big announcements as of 6.05 a.m. Pacific today. Number one, image rotation. If you want to install your Nest Cam IQ upside down, like on the ceiling, now you can rotate the image in the app. Yay. 
Number two, even more accurate person alerts. We've improved our revision algorithms to make Nest Cam IQ more accurate. And three, this is kind of cool if you like this kind of thing, full duplex audio on iOS as well as Android. It used to be just on Android. Now you can uh, talk and listen uh, through your IQ. I know that sounds really random to bring it up here, but uh, yay to uh, Nest for, for making this change. I, I'm looking forward to finding a tripod mount that I can put on the ceiling. But that's a, that's a good change, and I, I salute that. I, I will perhaps update my review because it was uh, you know, not very good. So you're going to go back into Amazon and then update that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I still, I still don't understand the decision to make it a try. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. It's the quarter inch by twenty, whatever the typical like what you would put on a camera mount. I guess that's kind of standard. In that, you know, I've discovered on Amazon, I bought a couple different ones of these to try. What I loved about the old uh, drop cam was that I had attached it to the ceiling with a couple strips of that 3M, you know, that smart adhesive that's easy to take off, and it worked a treat. No drilling required. No, you know, special stuff involved. Those things um, work the the kind that you you stick on, and then when you want to remove it, you pull the tab downward. Th- those. Yeah, they're, they're good for hanging, you know, me- light to medium weight. Yeah, um, we had we needed images. an extra t- towel rack for the kids in the in the kids' bathroom, and you know, just put one of those. And that thing lasted for years. We just finally got around to replacing it with a permanent one. And the way that thing works and now how it pulls off, like, you know, kids are rough on things. That thing just, it worked great. It's pretty magic. You just, you pull off a strip, pull off the other strip, you pull it a little bit, you get it kind of taut and it just sticks. And then when you want to undo it, you pull it again. I guess it's molecules. I don't know, but those things are great. Anyway, I'll give this a throw. That's exciting. While I'm on this, though, I want to mention one other thing. I don't want to go into too much detail because I think this person is doing this more or less privately. Okay. But um, I had pissed and moaned on here about some frustrations with my um, Ring doorbell, especially that because I was running it without electricity, I was running it on, like, you charge it, you, you know, you put it up, and I was getting crazy low battery life of, like, you know, a week or two weeks. You're supposed to get six months to a year. And uh, a listener... Uh, works for that organization and um. reached out to me, as you saw in email, and has been very, very kind and nice and helpful and supportive. And, uh, of course, I felt bad that I was such a dick about it. But uh, <laughs> it is kind of a problem. I mean, it is silly to put this thing up. I mean, if you're supposed to be able to put it up on a charge and it lasts a week, like, that's not really sustainable. Right. But he, uh, he's he been talking to me and helping me work through options for how to improve it. And he even sent me a dingus. And the dingus is, after you've mounted your ring outside your door, you can just you can take off the unit, and basically, you take out the screws, and you put in this solar collector. Mm. It's like a little solar panel that, without any other additional drilling, it fits right on there. And uh, it has not solved the problem, but it's definitely helped it, as I can tell from my obsessive, compulsive Google spreadsheet that I've been keeping uh-huh. of what the charge is at various times. That's the kind of project but yeah, that's that's red meat for me. I love something that. Something where I get to look at something and write it down. Woo! So that I still think you're better off to get it um, and it's, it's actually pretty clever. So you put this you, you put your solar dingus up and it's got one of those it's got the little USB the skinny one. Is that mini or micro? Whatever this little skinny one that's becoming more mm, standard. That's is. micro. Is it? I get them confused. Yeah, micro is the super small one that you see on like phones. Okay, mini mini is like the Android size. One. Mini is yeah the the like bigger, slightly bigger trapezoid. Right, the bigger right, right, right. Trapezoid. Yeah. Um, so it's helping. It's not you know 
perfect, but like it's it's held a charge. I'm down to seventy some percent after four days, which is better. But uh, mostly, I just wanted to say to that anonymous person at that company, thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate you um, reaching out. That's um, that's white privilege, you know. Somebody <laughs> somebody hears you on a podcast and offers to help. Right. So thank you very much. It makes me think better of the company that one of their engineers reached out like that. It made me feel good. Um. So Hakuna Matata. Hmm. Hmm. Smart devices. A lot of smart devices. A lot of new Echoes. Oh yeah, I was going to say I, I I had that in the show notes too. The uh, the new Echoes that came out, but also there's a new Fire TV with 4K Ultra HD and also Alexa voice remote built in. It's going to be seventy bucks, and it looks from the few pictures I've seen of this thing, and I still love the Fire TV. It looks yeah. like this one is uh, I'm I'm puzzled. I'm a little puzzled by... <laughs> I am very the, puzzled by one thing in particular, and I bet it's the thing that you're wondering about, too. Okay, well, you go first. You plug it in, and it hangs yeah, off the HDMI sort of port? hangs off there. And <laughs> what? And so if you've seen the Fire TV stick, yeah. that, it looks like a, you know, what we would have thought of as like a USB stick. It just plugs into the HDMI port on the back of the TV. But then the Fire TV itself, but Asterisk, which, asterisk, asterisk. These things always need a second USB cable to charge for, for power, right? This, so you got all this stuff hanging off the side of your TV. It's weird. Yeah, and the, reg, the regular or the previous, the current Fire TV that you could buy now, the one that I have, it looks yeah. essentially like an Apple TV. It's just a little bit thinner and flatter and... um but it it is a little box. This one is a uh, also a box, but it just hangs. It just hangs, and I don't I know. I do not understand the world of HDMI. Okay, so I will confess. <laughs> I'm going to talk about this in more detail. I feel weird talking about this because it you know it costs spend some money on something. But I bought a new TV, and I'll be talking about it on uh, the reconcilable differences. It'll uh-huh. be out in a couple weeks. But it's made me uh, like anybody who's new to 4K and HDR. You suddenly like start seeking out all of this stuff. And I guess I felt like there would be way more 4K and HDR content out there. Uh, and there, there, it's out there, but where you can get what is very strange. So the truth is I bought this LG TV. The, the, the basic built-in apps are pretty good. Mm-hmm. One beef I've got, all the HDMI ports are on the side of the TV. You know me. I'm not even that hung up about this, but I think... I know I, and I know definitely my wife would prefer it if there weren't a bunch of cords sticking out the side yes, of the TV. Yes, I've seen this before. I have a TV like that. I don't even know what TVs I have, and, and until my kids stop licking them and punching them, no, I'm not no, going to no, get no. a new you one. No, 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 You can't touch the TV. No, no, no. There's oh, a they three touch. Foot, they touch no, everything. No, no, There's a three-foot perimeter. You can't even get near the TV. Oh, they what touch are you doing? Everything. Don't wave that stick in here. Get off the yoga ball. They get wipe things the on it. There's toothpaste <gasps> no. on it. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? It's no. a TV. It doesn't mean, it doesn't matter. Dan, they're monsters. Oh, yeah. But, <gasps> That's your uh, nice TV. No, there's nothing's nice about my TVs, but, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't care. I don't care. I'm this, you know. It, but you've seen this. So the, one, the previous one I had, the Vizio that we've had for a long time that has been basically dead for a year. It takes, mm. you know, 15 minutes to start up. <laughs> That's why we replaced it. I mean, <laughs> so you know, I wanted to wait. I waited out Syracuse's advice. because it has to boot up. <laughs> oh, it, you have to, it slowly populates the horizontal lines. <laughs> And it takes it takes zero to fifteen minutes, and you never know. It's like having an infant; you have no idea how long it's going to take. And it, it, yeah, and we were ready. It was a forty inch TV. We were ready for a bigger one. Oh yeah, well. yeah. But but I uh, know at least with that one, you had I think 
three or four HDMI jacks on the back, and that's also where the optical cable was, all that stuff. And then you had like some freebies on the side, where you got like one free HDMI on the side. Like if you had some little ad hoc thing, that's where the USB was. But these all hang off, and I have not found anything. Like I'm imagining, could there be like a dock? Where you would plug it into all of them and it would spirit the cords away oh, to somewhere that would out of be sight. Smart. Or I mean, you and they're, they're so tightly arrayed that I mean, I'm trying to imagine what kind of cord you could get that would be in L shape. You or can. J-ish. You can. Abs- what I was going to say is, you can absolutely, and I have some of these. You can absolutely get uh, HDMI cables that have uh, that 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 have an L. On okay, I, I'll look into that, but th- there are, I just want to say, for anybody who's dipping their toe into this new world, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. I, uh, and so I, you know, so, so basically I, I fired it up and I entered my creds because at the time I had not received my 4K Apple TV yet, which I bought in anticipation of having this TV. Right. Uh, there was no sense to replace the old one. It was fine. But, you know, this one's faster and it does the HDR and HDMI. I'll be talking about this more on another show. But for this instance, uh, it's really weird what's available. Like YouTube, I have YouTube Red. Right. And when I sign in on my TV, the built in app, I get glorious 4K videos. It badges, automatically badges which ones are 4K. It works cool. great. Cool. Can't get 4K YouTube on the Apple TV. Like, it's an announced thing. That is right. not available yet. Right. Amazon Prime, guess what? Still not available. I know someday, manana manana. Uh, that is available. Uh, Amazon Prime is available on the TV set. Works a treat. Streaming 4K. Like, it works. It looks great. And this TV looks amazing. Oh, I bet it does. The 4K is nice, but it's the HDR that you really notice. And I'm such an old man. Every time we turn on the TV, I say the same super annoying thing. And my family rolls their eyes. I say, look how white those whites are. (laughs) The whites really, really pop. Like in every menu, it's like a pure, like bright white. It looks really amazing. So, I mean, you can get Amazon Prime, but... So I thought about, I went ahead and I pre-ordered that box. I think I'll probably cancel it because I don't think I really need it. And I, I don't want I to hang it off the side. I pre-ordered it, and I'm I'm gonna let it I'm gonna let it ship, and I'm going to see what it can do for uh, for me. And if it's great, I'll tell you it, that it's great. And if not, well, I'd love to I don't hear, have 4K, I, so I don't care about that. I just uh, I'm getting rid of I'm phasing out the Roku's. I really want to kind of I would love to pare down on this junk. I uh, I pulled out our Roku we got in January and hadn't, hadn't used very much because uh, it does support 4K. I hooked that up. And I don't know. I think Roku, so for me, it went like what? Boxy, Apple TV, had many Apple TVs. At one point, I got way more into Roku because I thought it was a better experience. Then at another point, we got way into Fire TV for like, what, two years? We talked mm-hmm. about this all the time. Oh, like, yeah. We would only use the Apple TV for movies because it was so lame. There's so much. It was so slow. It was so bad. And now Apple TV has gotten better. It's still got its problems. But I've still got this legacy of devices. But it, all I'm saying is that like, it pays to know all kinds of stuff about what size room you have, you know, all kinds of factors about you know that sort of stuff. And will, will you benefit from this? Is the kind of content you want? Like, I cannot find 4K Game of Thrones to save my life. Which is made worse by the fact that HBO's compression is hot garbage. They're, if you go look up close on a 1080p TV at Game of Thrones, it does not like look super good. Mm. Whereas we're watching, what were we watching? Um, 
uh, now, okay, and then to, to, to Apple's credit, or Apple and their partners, they've upgraded a lot of stuff to 4K for free. So with the exception of a handful of Marvel movies, um, none of the Disney, none of the Marvel, none of the Lucas stuff is 4K. But, like, Spider-Man Homecoming is, and it looks great. It look, you can go up, you don't see pixels. Like, you walk all the way up to the screen, you don't see pixels. It's, it's totally bananas. But all I'm saying is, like, this landscape is still shaking out. I mean, it, it is, it's more mature than the Internet of Things world, but, like, there's still a lot of grenades rolling around. And you may not get what you think you're getting with any of these devices. And I think you're still going to need at least one and probably more boxes, depending on what kind of stuff you want to get. Other weird stuff. Like we have the Hulu TV Plus. You like, like we get the channels. But there's no Hulu app for doing that on the TV. Right? You follow? Yeah. So I've got to go to Apple TV um, to do that. So, you know, there's weird, weird holes. But it's... I would say, especially if you, for somebody like you who watches broadcast TV, this might be a really interesting thing to look at because you can do things like you can split the screen, so you can have input from a box on the left and and uh, streaming like you know uh, live broadcast on the right. You can have two things up at once. It's pretty neat. Uh, so, what was my point in all of that? It's just uh, strange times. We're talking about Amazon. Oh, and you um, know what? I I added to the show notes um, there a, the. They sell a little right angle bracket, plugs into your existing HDMI, makes it a right angle, and these they're oh, this wow. particular one is from Cable Matters. Um, but it's a it's an adapter, it's not a, a cable in and of itself, so you can use your existing cables. And it's seven ninety nine for uh, I think it's a pack of two of them, and I think that's worth it. Yeah, that's a great deal. Well here no, the, here's the other thing I forgot to mention is that you know I was surprised to learn that not all HDMI cables are created equal. I thought HDMI was HDMI. But for the Roku in particular, I had to get, I think it's HDMI 2, but it's a kind of HDMI that has more, I think, throughput and also like some kind of Ethernet. Like it's a much faster cable. But like if you plug that into your standard Roku, you, you can only get 1080. You can't mm-hmm. get 4K out of it. Interesting. So yeah, you kind of need a Sherpa for this stuff. Yeah, I mean, so those cart. I put in there might, I guess, maybe won't work. You'd have to, you'd have to try it. Well, the work. I mean, that's the odd part. Then the uh, the Apple TV. See, I don't know. I'm just plugging in whatever cables are back there. But um, I'll give that a throw and see. Now I, I'm not sure under- what I have to offer, except that this this landscape is still very strange, and it helps to have somebody who's a guide that can tell you, you know, what's going to be right for your situation, so you don't end up spending what you don't need to spend. Right. I think this. Is it possible that HDMI can supply power? That you can get power over HDMI? I don't know. Because... I have no idea. I, I, I've read that it doesn't currently, but that it can? Anyway, I think that's what would be nice for these little Amazon Fire type devices that just to get their power through the TV... Yeah, but I don't think they're doing that yet. Anyway, listener, if if any listeners know, to tell me because I'd be curious to know that. Yeah, I'm sure so if somebody can toot that at us, if you know. Yeah, that'd be good. I don't. I don't, I don't feel like looking it up. Um, but Echo stuff. This has been covered a lot on other shows, but it's definitely interesting. Um, they're really covering the waterfront right now. Crazy array of stuff. New Echo, improved Echoes, smaller Echo. They've got a new phone dingus, so you can use your Echo with a landline. Did you see that? No, I missed that one. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. 
But, you know, I, 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 I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's a little too easy to be cynical about this stuff because, like, you know, they're, they're trying. You know what I mean? I, I give them credit for trying. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd rather see, uh, like, a, a bunch of products and some improvement uh, than just radio silence for a year or two. That's no fun. I'm trying to see what these other ones are. Roundup of yesterday's Amazon announcements. Oh, yeah, look at this thing. It's a it's a it's a box that hangs off your TV. Yeah, it just looks. Fire. There's something weird about that. I don't know why they. Why did they think that would be better to have a a square box? And the other weird part of it is that the cable coming out of the box it actually comes out of one of the corners, so that when it hangs, it's hanging like, it's like a, a diamond. diamond. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like a what would you call that when you would hook up like a scuzzy cable? One of those like it looks like a belt, like when you put a card in your computer. You <laughs> right, know what I mean? Right. Yes. But I mean, they must have the reasons. I guess the other thought would be that well, if you don't want it hanging off the side, you can get a, a cable that would accommodate that. That you could um, get an aftermarket cable. Lots of interesting stuff, though. <clears throat> Excuse me. Echo Plus comes with a Zigbee radio, which is a, a kind of a home hub thing. So, and it comes with a Philips Hue, one Philips Hue bulb. <laughs> it's an interesting decision. It's because now, if you get an Echo Plus with the Zigbee radio, you can use that in lieu of, say, a Philips Hue hub. And now also, you know, Apple's coming out, HomeKit is somewhat quietly introducing new features, hubless features are coming along. What else did they got? The Echo, the Echo Spot, which I don't really understand. It's like a little alarm clock. It looks kind of like a Nest thermostat. Echo Connect is for the phone. They got a thing you can play trivia games on. It's an interesting time. I like playing trivia. Yeah. I like trivia too. I'm all right at it. So that's that's some device talk. Um, I got a couple podcast recommendations, but uh, do you want to maybe tell me about something you like? Sure, I can tell you about Bombfell. You remember these folks? Bombfell, I've bombfelt. I did. I bombfelt too. They set me up, man. Bombfell is an easier way for men to get better clothes. That's it. Uh, you go to the <laughs> website, and they have a very simple questionnaire. And the questionnaire asks you, like, do you like this shirt or this kind of shirt better? I mean, it's it's actually kind of fun to to take it because. As a guy, like I don't think about that kind of stuff very often. But you fill out mm-hmm. this simple little questionnaire, then they match you up with a, an actual human being who looks at those answers and says, "Okay, for this person, based on their information, here's some cool clothes that I'm going to recommend," and that's what they pick out for you. They never charge above retail price. They offer free shipping and returns. You get to try it on at home. You can preview what they're going to send you. If you don't like it, you can edit what the picks are before they ship out to you. So you're in that. full control. I did that. It's, it's very easy to do. And, and they sent me a very nice plaid shirt and a cool sweater. And uh, it's stuff I still wear to this day. It's good stuff. They, they, they got good pickers there. Yeah, they really do. And I'm, I'm wearing one of the pairs of jeans that I got from them as well. And this is the thing. It's like most of us, I, I think people are like me in that we don't really, I, guys typically don't like to shop for clothes that much, but we still want to look nice. Mm-hmm. And this is an easier way for us to get better clothes that's personalized. They're not sending the same shirt out to like every single subscriber. We're all getting different stuff. And they're really good brands, really high quality stuff. And, um, and it's super simple. You just t- sign up, give them your quick measurements, fill out the little thing. You set your budget limits too so that they're not going to automatically pick a goal. Like, oh, we're sending you the most expensive stuff. You can tell them you're on a budget. You set up your order. 
and you can kind of customize it. Like, okay, I want two button-down shirts and a pair of jeans, and I want it in a month. Or you can let them surprise you. They'll give you a preview mm-hmm. email. You get the clothes, and once you get it, you get seven days to try it on before they even charge your card. And you just pay for what you decide to keep, and whatever you don't want, you can just return it, and shipping is free both ways. I mean, and this is a great, and by the way, they even have an option to sign up if you want to get some for your spouse, and you want to make it a surprise for them. You can kind of think maybe your your uh, your guy doesn't like dress great, you want to help him out a little bit, mm-hmm. you can do it with this. It's really great, and uh, so there's this, we have a special deal for our listeners, it's $25 off your first purchase. And you have to go to a special URL for that. It's bombfell, which is spelled B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L, bombfell.com slash back to work. And uh, if you go there, you'll get $25 off your first purchase. Pretty cool. Go check mm-hmm. it out. Thanks, Bombfell. Thanks, Bombfell. Um, my son uh, stole my favorite bombshell, uh, Bombfell shirt from me how even did he do that well he he saw it and uh, i had it you know i was doing the laundry and i put it on a hanger and had it ready to go into the closet and he just took it that's miserable and it's big he, on him it's is... big on him but he likes it so it's just his this is an occupational hazard Did, and didn't your wife steal your uh, steal your hoodie from mm-hmm. the other place mm-hmm. see this is this no is i got that back i got that back oh good good i finally bought her her own yeah yeah clothes i you know what it is i think one thing is that this is it's probably just true for everybody um i think shopping makes a lot of people feel very vulnerable like i don't feel because you're naked mm, in a public place you're naked but you're also like like i don't i always feel like i don't know what i'm doing here and it makes me it dumbs (laughs) down my decisions yeah no i mean i understand like go to target buy pant like i I can do that but like if i'm trying to like look a big boy or i want to look like i have any sense of what fashion should be i just i freeze up and i just go for the safest things i mean i don't dress that different than i did like in eighth grade it's just (laughs) i just pick up whatever's there you know just another slump vulnerable you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. naked naked uh i'm not sure why but i wanted to recommend two podcasts that i've been really enjoying i right. have nothing to do with the kind of stuff we usually talk about um one of them this is all in show notes one of them is a show called um dissect that i only discovered in the last month or so and long story short it's a it's a show where um this guy goes through his name is escaping me this guy goes through an album track by track And very intelligently, like just very smartly, takes apart track by track what's going on on a recording. He did it with um, Kendrick Lamar's Pimp a Butterfly. And right now he's going through an album I perhaps surprisingly like a lot, um, Kanye West's My Dark Twisted Fantasy. And the last few episodes, uh, he's just wrapped up kind of like side one. And he's just gone through all those great tracks. He went through Lights and, you know, Monster and all of those. And I mean, how do you describe it? It's it's just a really smart guy. I listened to down. this based on your recommendation. And I, oh. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Isn't it like surprisingly, not surprisingly, but like you think, oh, just hearing a person talk about songs, like how interesting could that be? But isn't, it, isn't he a smart fella? I had no idea what to expect. I'd never listened to one of these before. Um, and you recommended it on Twitter. And I said, all right, yeah, I want to try this out. And I, li- I really, really enjoyed it. Are all the episodes that good? Well, I mean, I, I would really highlight, and this just reflects my own tastes or preferences, but I think um, 
I mean, the, the Kanye stuff is great. I, I, just because in particular Lights and Monster are two of my favorite hip hop songs happen to be like right next to each other. His breakdown of those songs and going into all the references and like, what is Nicki Minaj talking about? Like, what, what did this have to do with her career? Where was she at the point that she's rapping these particular lines and these puns about MIA and stuff that I never would have picked up, um, really come through. And I, I can really just highly recommend it. Um, it is in show notes. Dan, where would people find show notes for episode? Diggity 344. Three, four, four. Back to work. They can back go to 5x5.tv slash B is in brothers, 2 is in the number, W is in women slash 344. 344. Four. Right. And I want to get this guy's name right. I also put his, his name is Cole, Cole Kuchna. And he's also got a Patreon that you can go and support. That is also in show notes. And um, for the two podcasts I'm recommending today, I mean, no disrespect. I've got a link to their canonical page on the internet, but I've also linked to their show page on Overcast, just because I think that's just a way easier way for most people. If you are an Overcast user, it's kind of a no-brainer to start, you know, with one episode that you can just add to your own Overcast. So those are both up there. And I have one other one I want to recommend. It's also a music podcast that I think is really, really good. Um, I've been really digging this. So... Uh, there's a show that kind of started out as, I don't know, it got its kind of pilot run in the Slate Culture Gabfest feed, uh, but now it has its own big boy feed. And it's a really, really good, really smart show that is called Hit Parade. And the conceit of the show is that this fella, uh, whose name I should find out, uh, Hit Parade is hosted by Chris Malamphy. And it's just this, like a super detailed, deep dive on some song or phenomenon having to do with the Billboard charts, right? His first episode was great. The first episode is about the song Red, Red Wine, which we know mostly probably as a UB40 song, but it goes back through the song's history as a Neil Diamond song and like the various lives it's had, and then the lives that that particular track has had as it's made comebacks over the years. Um, oh, Hip Parade, the charity mega single edition about like the phenomenon, the chart phenomenon of, you know... Um, uh, Live Aid and um, uh, you know what's the one uh, the America song uh, uh, USA for Africa We Are the World yeah and Band Aid those songs great episode on Elton John and George Michael and the latest one is fascinating it's a really long deep dive into the changing history of the single as a extant physical thing that it's heyday in the 60s and the 70s, the credibility you get about not putting out a single, which singles you put out, and then basically how in the 90s, the single almost completely went away to where you could have a track like You Can't Touch This, the MC Hammer song, yeah. that wasn't even made available as a single. You had to buy it on uh, the uh, the CD. The rise of singles, sedingles, like all of those. Um, it's a really good show. Chris Malanfi's show, Hit Parade, on the wonderful Slate Network. And uh, I really recommend both of these shows. As far as, you know what, let me do a starter episode. For starter episode, I would say, oh, the episode on the Beatles having five, the top five albums on Billboard in the same week was great. I would say maybe start with the Red Red Wine episode. They're all good, but that's really good. And then my biased view on Hit Parade, I would listen to the episode on um, Lights. All of the lights all of the... I'm gonna start making the Kanye noise more. Eh. Mm. Is that what he does? And he goes, eh. I guess. What's he say? Yeah. What's Kanye say? Eh. What's the fox say? Eh. Podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. 
It's an affliction, Dan. I like to spread love. You know what I'm saying? Affliction like the t-shirt? Mm-hmm. Affliction t-shirt. Yeah. Hmm. 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 You know what else is good? L- LBJ's War. That's a really good podcast. A short series on the Vietnam War, especially with regard to LBJ. Really good. A nice, uh, nice thing to listen to if you aren't depressed enough from watching the Ken Burns uh, show. What else is really good? I listen to a lot of podcasts. Hmm. Hmm. Ezra Klein. Listen to that. That's a good show. Yeah. So anyway, podcasts are good. Wouldn't you agree? I think there might be something to podcasts in the future. Uh, yeah. I mean, if something like Serial ever comes along, you know what I'm saying? Could really save the genre. That's uh, mostly what I've got. Oh, look at that. Uh, David Sparks and Brett Terpstra have a new 60 Mac tips thing coming out. That's exciting. Um, Dan, uh, can I throw to you to uh, tell me about your new acquisition and what it means in your life? Yes. So, Give, uh, us, some, give us some backstory. A little bit of backstory. Do you want me to talk about the, the first one with the dead thing or no? Skip that. I think when, we're going to talk about Dan's new Mac. And personally, I like to hear how people decided or were caused or whatever combination thereof, <laughs> right? To acquire a new Mac, I'm interested in what goes into that decision making. So, yeah, tell us, tell us where you were, where you were for a couple days, <laughs> and where you are now. All righty, cool. Uh, so, I had my primary machine for a very long time was a 2013 MacBook Pro Retina, 13 inch. Uh, I when I purchased it. For some dumb reason, I got just sort of the stock, like the low-end stock model. So it had 8 gigs of RAM, and I think it had 256 gigs of hard drive space. And whatever the CPU is, it, it's nothing worth mentioning. Not, not very good. But that was fine. And I docked it to a Thunderbolt display when I was here in the, uh, in the office, the Apple Thunderbolt display, 27-inch, and it drove that just fine. And then the rest of the time when I was out and about or at home or on weekends, I just used it uh, with its lovely little screen. And that was a nice computer for a while. And then, as you know, I never I never would build a Hackintosh computer. But if I had, then I used no. that for a while. And part of the reason I wanted to build that was because I wanted to see what that whole experience was like. As a guy who has built many, many PCs over the years... I, I kind of knew what I was doing and I wanted to kind of get back into that and thought that might be a fun way to explore doing that. And because the, you know, the equipment that you need to buy to assemble a PC, you can do it on a budget. You don't have to spend a lot of money. And I thought worst case scenario, uh, it would make a really nice uh, staging server for fireside stuff so that when I'm rolling mm-hmm. out new features, I can test them in a almost identical production environment and have a nice server here at the office I could use. And, uh, and so I thought, okay, worst case scenario, this thing becomes a a server. Uh, I can even run Plex on it. Who knows? So Hmm. I thought that would be a decent, uh, a decent experiment. And I, I, I mean, I never tried it, but I tried that for a while and eventually got to the point where there, there are some, there are some issues that many people have been able to fix, but for whatever reason, I just couldn't get working right. The features like um, like messages and handoff and continuity and the other things that, that really make macOS shine when you are using iOS devices as well, which I was. And so eventually I thought, well, I really do need that staging server. We're at a point now where I'm rolling out features that I really, really want to test and uh, this could work well for that. 
I was missing some of these integrative features. And uh, the fact is, I do spend a bunch of time on my laptop, and I thought, okay, I think I should just go and get a new laptop to replace the old one and pick up where I left off and have that as my primary machine. And then I started talking to our, our friend Marco, who famously uh, has had quite a little adventure with different uh, MacBooks. Uh, oh my God, he's had quite a journey. Yeah. He's trying to do everything the right way. Okay, Apple, I'm going to let, let go and let God. You tell me what to get. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it's really, really hard. It hasn't worked out well for him. If you want to use your computer as a computer, it's really, really hard. Yeah, it really is. And so I, that was the situation I was in. And I, after talking to him and thinking things over, I thought, you know what? I have, I'm not the kind of person who likes to replace something that still essentially works. I, I didn't like the idea of getting a new laptop, even though the one that I had was uh, pretty old and pretty slow. I still figured I could make do with it. And what if I tried... Apple's shining, beautiful desktop machine that my friend Merlin and Ugh. Marco and everybody I that I know. My, I love my 5K iMac so much. It's like over two years old, but it is such a champ. I love it, love it, love it. I've had a f- what, could, what could possibly go wrong? What could go wrong? I've had a few iMacs over the years. Um, I can't remember how many, but since the very first one, I've probably had one of each model. And, Did you have the lamp? Yeah, I had the lamp. And uh, my, you know, we've got our home computer is an iMac. So it's not like it's the first one that I would ever gotten. But I've never had one with a beautiful 5K screen. And I thought, all right, this will be a chance to get one of these things and really try it out and see if it's as amazing as everybody says it is. And so I I ordered one and it showed up and uh, unboxed it in a lovely unboxing experience the way Apple always gives you. And turned it on, and there it was. Beautiful screen, big, shining, everything. Now, I went into this saying, I'm just going to do this the Apple way. I'm going to get the the computer that I think best represents Apple these days is, is a desktop, if, and at least in the desktop space, this is the one to get. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it was okay. I had a couple problems with it right off the bat. The first one was, um, within an hour of using it, I was getting, and, I, and no, I didn't like scale the resolution super small or anything, uh, but I just, I found I was kind of getting a headache from it. Now, my eyes are kind of sensitive and weird, like, that's fine. I just, I'm used to that. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll scale down the resolution a little bit, but then I didn't really like that. And, and so that was something, but I was said, you know what, I'll just deal with it. Uh, I'll, I'll Maybe I'll go and get another prescription and get my glasses, like the computer-only vision glasses like I used to have. Maybe that's what I need to do. That's fine. Using the new keyboard, well, the new keyboard's okay. It's, you know, it's not my favorite, but I could always just use my old one, which I had sitting there. So that's no Mm -hmm. big deal. Uh, But one thing I noticed about it that was a little surprising to me was that it felt a little bit slow. Um, Not slow, like, computationally, but, uh, like, when, for example, one of the things I do on a very regular basis is I'll pull down the Fireside database and uh, load it here on my machine where I'm doing development so that as I'm doing development, I can work with real data and, uh, and not just like a, a little dummy sample of data, but like the actual real data and I can run it right here. So if I'm running a migration or doing something big, adding a new feature, I can see in a very real way of what it'll, what it'll be like. So on a daily basis, I've got a little script that I run that'll pull down the latest backup of the database 
uh, purge the existing database, create, recreate it, and pull in all the information. And I'm used to doing this on both my laptop, which is old and slow, and on my, uh, if I had made a Hackintosh, I would be doing it on that too. And it typically on the Hackintosh, because that's a Core i7 CPU pretty fast, uh, it, it loads that pretty quickly, and it's got an SSD drive. And even though the MacBook Pro was older and slower, it also had an SSD drive. And in any case, that import would take about 10 minutes. I mean, there's a lot of data there because it tracks all the downloads for millions of, you know, millions of podcast downloads are being tracked. So it's a big, it's a big source of data. It takes, you know, mm-hmm. five to 10 minutes to do it. It took like an hour or more. I eventually gave up hmm. and, and put, you know, went home. At the end of the day, it was taking so long. And that was suspicious to me because the CPU is pretty good and uh, it had a fusion drive, which is, for people who don't know, a combination of sort of like an SSD slash uh, spinning disk in one. And I came back the next morning and the screen had, uh, I don't know what the official name for this is, but you know when you think of the Ghostbuster symbol, how they've got the little... Buster. The little buster, like you've got the ghost and then the, the circle with the line going across it. In the, over top of the ghost. I had that, no ghost, just that symbol. I've heard it's called like the prohibitive or prohibitory symbol mm. or whatever. So that was there. And I thought, well, and on, on just a perfectly black screen, I thought, well, that that's weird. And, and <laughs> does it seem ideal? Yeah. And in, and, and in the old days, that would have meant the bad, bad hard drive. Um, so I thought, okay, m- maybe there's a problem here. So I rebooted it and it came back up and worked just fine. And then uh, at the end of the day, I went home and came back in the next morning. And this time, second day, it, the screen was just black, just a black screen. No, um, no Ghostbuster, nothing. So I turned it off, turned it back on, nothing. But I found if I waited long enough, about five minutes, then the prohibitory symbol would pop back up. And I was pretty sure it was a bad hard drive. I looked online. Yep, that's what that meant. And I said, you know, I don't believe generally in signs, you know, like in, in like, oh, this is a sign. Dan, Dan, the universe is trying to tell you something. But I felt like the universe was telling me this iMac is not for you. You shouldn't have gotten this. And, the and prohibitory was not just a symbol. <laughs> what if it was just a little bit too real? It might, yes. It's a Mac buster. Ooh. So <laughs> I, I, I took it back to the Apple store. Uh, I'm sorry, the Grove or whatever I'm supposed to, the town, mm. town, cent, town square. And, uh, and I brought it in and I said, Hey, I, I said, I think I want to just return this. And they said, Oh, okay. Tell me about it. And I said, well, you know, I, I only had it for two days and this is the thing that happened. And he said, Oh, you know, we, I can give you another one. We got another one in the back. And I said, no, I think I'll just, I'll just return it. And he said, okay. Made it very see, easy. Thank you, Jeremy, but I've already received a sign from the universe. <laughs> That's right. So I, I, I returned it and uh, came back and then I started talking to Marco again and he was, he's, he's saying, well, here's one I'm watching on. He, he basically was saying he was going to get the previous, he's debating about getting or was debating right, about getting the, the one that had ports, right? The one that the previous, <laughs> but the previous generation of, of, um, of MacBook, not even the current ones with the current keyboard, but the one before that, that Apple he really doesn't like the keyboards. Yeah. And, and I said, well, and so I look, I went to the Apple store again a few days later and looked around and I messed with the keyboards. I messed with the thing. And I said, you know, I, I know I don't like the touch bar. I know I don't want that, but I do want more ports. I do want the fastest one. 
And you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to, because I know that they've got a, a pretty good return policy. I think it's anything within two weeks. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just get the top of the line one. I'll bump it up to 16 gigs of RAM and I'll make this thing my main machine and I'll just see, I will just see how it is. I will just Mm -hmm. see if I like it. Apple wants, you know what? Apple wants me to use this keyboard that I don't think I like. I'm going to try using the keyboard I don't think I like. Apple wants me to switch everything to USB-C. I'm going to switch everything to USB-C. I'm going to do it. Apple wants me to, you know, use a, a giant trackpad that's like almost a whole size. I'll try that too. I don't care. I'm going to see what... I, Apple must know something. The universe is trying to tell you something, I'm Dan. just going to go for it. I'm just going to go for board. it. Get on board. So I picked that up. And then I start. I looked at the... Now the, the speaking of crappy TVs, uh, the monitor that I've been using was, a, I think, $250 BenQ screen. It, not 4K, not, not 5K, not even a Dell. It's like lower on the totem pole than it's not. It's like someone made up the name. We can't think of what to call our monitors. Uh, ben, what do you think? Well, call it the Ben Q. All right, it's called Ben Q. Mm. You know, and that's how they named it. It was horrible, and I was just using it. I don't know why. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to look at these LG. Just like you got your LG TV, I'm going to go look at these LG screens, which are all way too expensive, but I'm just going to go and look at it anyway. And they had the 5K one, which was like a 27 inch, and they have a 4K one, which is 21 and a half inch. Hmm. And I said, oh, I wonder if this 21 and a half inch, if it, it looked really good. And to my eyes, the 27 inch 5K one, Again, like I don't have perfect vision, but it just looked too small. Everything looked too small. And yes, you can scale the resolution, but when you scale it now, everything looks too blurry. And I had this same mm-hmm. problem with another 4K screen that I had a few years ago that I wound up giving a, my boy, and he had, uses it on his Alienware gaming machine, and it's great for him. But for me, everything was just too too small at the native resolution, and anything but on the native resolution, it looks blurry and scaled to me, and I can't abide it. I can't abide it. Mm-mm. So I said, all right benefits of getting this lg 21 and a half inch is it looks beautiful in the store it has just the one cable going into the to the macbook pro which is USB-C, and not only does that get the the um the picture from the from the mac it also charges it at the same time all in one cable i'm embracing the USB-C. see i'm embracing it i said all right wait uh, hang on so power goes to the monitor yeah, one still USB- to, yeah, power to the monitor the wall, and then one USB-C cable brings audio, power, and video, and there is a three or four port USB-C in the back of the screen also. That's great. Yeah, and it's got wow. built-in, built-in speakers. It does not have an eyesight camera. The, the bigger of the two LG Man. screens does have an eyesight camera, but of course- Is this the one that had the Wi-Fi problems? I don't, I don't know about that. I don't have okay. any Wi-Fi But problems. you haven't had any problems with it. Okay. No. Uh, perfect. Wi-Fi is fine. And, uh, so, but now, now I want to look into that. But anyway. Um, oh, no. Just when it initially came out, the, I, when, when, whatever the LG high-res screens that Apple was selling, they said, hey, look, we got these great screens. And there's some kind of problem where it was interfering with Wi-Fi. I but remember I that now. I remember okay. that. Um, but I don't know which of the two had that. And I think think if i remember right i'll look it up after the show but i think that was with the 5k and this is the 4k that's smaller and then my other concern was 
before I bought it, I, I took a tape measure up to the screen and I looked and I realized that I had tons of space on the right hand side of the screen where I never, I don't like maximize windows. I always keep them smaller. And, and I said, you know, I bet you that this 21 and a half inch screen will be a okay for me. And I've been using it now for more than a week or so. And it's, I have, I'm happy to report that it's plenty of space for me. I don't feel cramped at all. It's plenty of space. And, uh, and the, um, the MacBook Pro powers it just fine. And I, I, I don't love the touch bar. I'm not in love with the keyboard, but I've adapted to it. And mm-hmm. overall, this has been a very, very, to my own surprise, a very positive experience uh, with the computer overall. And I'm, I'm very happy with it. And I have That's a lot great. to say about the touch bar. I would love to hear that. So you got the, does that mean you don't have an escape key, a uh, hardware escape key? I don't have a hardware escape key, but you can, uh, built into the keyboard preferences, you can remap, uh, like caps lock to escape. So I have, uh. Oh, interesting. I, I use that for, uh, control. Yes. Right yes. That will work exactly the same. It's the same idea. So I have that as my escape key. You can't. You, you don't have a way to just fly your hand up to the top left corner and know you're hitting escape. Well, n- yes and no. I mean, it's offset, uh, by a little bit from the left hand side. So mm-hmm. it, but it's the touch bar. There's nothing else going on in that upper left hand side. So even if mm-hmm. you just touch the little edge of the main believe escape key that it still works like an escape key so i find that when i do that it still behaves properly okay um also the most amazing thing and and i know they talked about this when it came out but i feel like people aren't talking about it enough touch id on your mac yeah is amazing it, it is amazing you just like it's the same as on your phone it works just as fast most people including me map it to their forefinger instead of their thumb because it's more natural to just touch your finger to that but it can it can get multiple fingerprints and it's, it's just the same or faster as you know what you're used to on your phone it just works you can have it work for logging in you can have it work for any time that the system would ask you for your password and uh some apps support it like one password supports it for unlocking uh wow. so it and that thing alone is just that's worth the nuisance of the touch bar for me at just having that i wish there was an option what i tried doing with the touch bar was i tried at first leaving it in the default setting which was to like the touch bar's behavior will change and what appears in it will change based on the app that you're using. So if you're using Safari, it might show you like that might have a little search bar in there or it might have little, um, you know, thumbnails of the different browser tabs that I guess in theory you'd be tapping the touch bar to switch between them and things like that. But what I found was very quickly that the constant changing of that display, uh, especially because at first another default setting is that it's going to make word suggestions as you type, as if you're going to be staring at your keyboard and and looking down and then like, right, I meant to type incredible after I typed I N. I, I, can't, I just can't imagine how I would use it. It's a nightmare. And uh, there is a setting, though, that allows you to just turn it off and make it like make the default keys that would be there on a normal apple keyboard just those are what it shows instead all the time but i found that before i did that made that change anytime i was in an application like things were it was constantly flashing like and you'd see it out of the corner of your eye it's constantly flashing it's constantly changing there's constantly lights and colors i'm like you know what like that looks really cool but i really don't want that i really just it feels feels like one of those things that's a cool demo but like First of all, I mean, the flashing, I can't even imagine. I'll, I'd love to try it. But the flashing 
would seem bothersome, but also it just feels like it would take it seems like it would take a while to just remember to even notice it and use it as part of your day-to-day working. Yeah, and the other thing is, I touch type, so I'm not really looking at the keyboard very much. I just kind of want the keyboard to just be out of the way. And... um and and so for me it was kind of lost on me, but I did I really did try it for a few days to say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna try this because there's there must be some kind of advantage, but mm-hmm. I really didn't find any advantage at all, and I hated it, and so now it just looks it just has the same the same keys that everyone else sees on the top of their uh, Mac keyboard. That's what it's displaying now all the time, wow. and I wish that the escape key was a regular key. I wish it was flush to the left, but it. Works more often than not, and I do have the caps lock key mapped to it, so that that works fine, and it doesn't take long for you to remember that. And I'm not a big fan of the arrow keys, but they're not tell as me, bad as I Tell me what your layout is. What's the layout? Well, I, could, I, I could just look it up, but the the adorable drives me bananas. I, I still, I've had it for over six months, and I still cannot get used to the arrows. I still mess it up. Yeah, it's all got the, time. the it's got the big left, the big right, and then the up and down are condensed into the size of a half, a, size. half size standard key. And I, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, yeah. But docking this thing is really no big deal. I've got a I've got a, a rain stand, and uh, this is a I've had this thing for I don't know three four years maybe longer. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. an aluminum stand that you just put your laptop on. It doesn't clamp down or hold it down. It's just angled and it's got a little bracket at the bottom. So I put it on this thing. I open the lid up and then I plug it in to the. Uh, LG screen with just the one little cable and that's it and that's my setup so I actually am running I used to do like clamshell closed but now I just leave it open and I'll put like uh, the slack window up over there right. and uh, and it's and it's great and like sometimes at lunch if I'm eating at the desk I'll you know I'll watch Netflix in a browser but it's kind of cool because like you can have like your slack window open or your email open in on the laptop and then the main screen is showing like your netflix show while you eat lunch it's like little things like that i really do mm-hmm. appreciate having the second screen but even if i didn't this 21 and a half inch screen is gorgeous and uh it seems like a pretty good deal it's too. A, I mean, it's, maybe it's not cheap but it's great well i mean i don't know i just remember paying so much for crt monitors that were nowhere near that near that <laughs> right. size of resolution yeah, it I seems think good to me the thunderbolt display that um i still have here I think that thing was twelve hundred bucks when I got it. That's an Apple. Yeah, the Apple official Thunderbolt Apple. official yeah. Apple one, which has the two <laughs> the two cables, one for um, the Thunderbolt port, and then one for power to your laptop. And uh, and and that screen has lasted a long time and still looks good. But this one is is amazing. So it sounds like you're feeling pretty good about it. I don't want to jinx it, but knock yeah. on wood, yeah, I'm loving it. What are a couple things? I mean, it sounds like you are not exploring this much. Are there things where you where you find yourself going, "Oh, that's a novel use of the touch bar"? Are, are there any things where you're like surprised it pops up something you might find useful, or do you do you even notice it? Yeah, I did. Uh, the, a couple of the things that were kind of cool, um, for example, if you if you have it set to the option, and, and in case people have this and don't know that it's there, it's under keyboard. And under the keyboard option, it says touch bar shows, and it has a little drop down. And you can pick app controls with control strip, expanded control strip, or app controls. App controls with control strip means as you're in the app that you're in, it's going to have app specific buttons that show up there or other features like it can show a little waveform for editing and other things like that. And then the control strip is what is normally across your 
the top of your keyboard, which has like the brightness and the play and pause buttons and the, um, the speaker buttons. And what's kind of cool in that situation is if you hold down the little speaker button that showed in the little mini control strip, if you hold down on it, Marco taught me this, um, you hold down on it, then it'll, it'll become a slider. And you can just slide left or right to like control the brightness or the volume. Little things like that. Wow. And yeah. it has, does it have um, haptic or taptic, whatever? Does it have feedback when you're using it? Do um, you get like a tappy feeling? If it does, I'd never notice that. I could test it, but uh, no, I don't think so. Is it supposed but is it, to? Does it feel, it feels kind of like a novelty? Yeah, I mean, it's a novelty. Very much a novelty. And then uh, if, if you have expanded control strip, then that just shows what normally would be there on a keyboard. And then you can have just app controls. But uh, I don't know. I mean, like, it, it really does seem like a gimmick. Like, I, I, like, my son came over right after I got it, and he's like, oh, what are all those little thumbnails of the browser windows? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's really cool. I'm like, yeah, it looks, it looks really cool. Like, it does look really cool. But I just found, like, I'm, it's easier for me to just, you know, like, command, right bracket, uh, shift command, right bracket, shift command, left bracket. Like, my, my hands aren't leaving their normal position on the keyboard to to shift through the different tabs that way. And it's, you know, it's not like a, the tiny little thumbnail when I have 18 browser window tabs open, like I can make sense of what those little thumbnails are even for anyway. You know, um, I wasn't like using it to do searches really or anything like in, in, you know, and like when you're on the, when you're in the desktop, it, it doesn't really show you very much of anything. Um, I, I just wasn't, I just wasn't using it. And I don't, but I very rarely were using the function keys anyway, you know, like maybe the brightness and, and the volume. And that's about all I atten- attention I ever paid to it. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I understand, I can understand that like if you're doing stuff in, um, like, let's say you're doing stuff in uh, Final Cut Pro or something like that. Um, you know, my understanding is that it has like special controls for that, that maybe would save you some time. It has a few controls in, uh, in Logic um, so as you like shift to different tracks, like it'll have different little samples and things like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, but it just wasn't, it wasn't enough for me to say, yeah, I, I want this thing on all the time. And yeah, this is so no, I wish it wasn't there. I wish I could have gotten this computer with just a regular keyboard, but my decision was I chose ports over I made the choice to get ports instead of uh, instead of a keyboard that I really wanted. <sighs> trade offs, trade offs, trade offs. Yeah, and it was you know, the it was the five K, the ultra fine. I found the link to it. The ultra fine five K display, and uh, the ones that had the problem were taken off, and new ones came out, and it's no longer a problem. But having those extra ports in the screen is pretty cool too. Like that's that that, that is very clever. When I, when I got this, um, the, so funny because as I you may recall, <laughs> it became a running joke how old my Mac Pro was. Um, I mean, older than Syracuse's, like right, old, right? And like, there's so much stuff I couldn't do. I was running a hacked version of the system to be able to stay even nearly updated. I was still, it was it was miserable. Um, but you know, it was a Mac Pro. It's a cheese grater. Like it has all of the things. It's it's been a champion. So to understand that, when I moved to the 5K iMac, it was a, a new world for a lot of things. 
I mean, this is this is how. I mean, hang on to your hat. There used to be this thing called FireWire eight hundred, uh huh, and FireWire four hundred. <laughs> right. Like every device I have, um, I have a lot of USB A, uh, a fair amount, and then you know, surprise, maybe surprising amount of of um, FireWire four hundred and eight hundred. Yeah, and that just wasn't going to work on here. So what do I have on the back of this thing? I've got a bunch of USB. I don't even know the ones anymore. It's USB three. But I've got a bunch. I've got a bunch of USBs that accommodate the USB A form factor, the classic USB, right? I've got Thunderbolt, and so I ended up when I bought this thing. I along with it, I bought this dock from OWC because I just threw up my hands. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get to right. all of the things. Right. So what I, you know, and I, I think this was probably a good buy. Uh, I got this OWC dock that connects via th- uh, Thunderbolt and can power. And has throughput for like several USB devices, for FireWire, for all of those things. And so that I figured that would be my transitional thing. Does that have Ethernet it. in it too? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, it does. Cool. I know the one you're so, talking about. I think it's just yeah, the it's, OWC was, Thunderbolt dock, I think is what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's worked fine. Um but I'm still you hear me you hear me fumbling over the word thunderbolt because I'm like I know there's lightning and then there's thunderbolt <laughs> and now guess what I can use thunderbolt but guess what guess what uh, I guess maybe people aren't so much doing thunderbolt anymore it's like well, well wait I don't even know what I'm keeping up with anymore you know what I mean it's, yeah and so but at least I've got this these wonderful ports on the back of the iMac I've got the dock for doing all the things. Um, and this is way too big a topic for where we are right now in the show, but you know, it, it is still, it's almost impossible unless you need to do almost nothing with your computer. It's very difficult to know what to buy. And even if you buy like the nicest version and you buy all the dongles as Marco has documented right. I think very well, yeah. like trying to do a live recording of ATP using a MacBook pro was like virtually impossible mm-hmm. because you still got to find a way to power it. Like it's, you know what I mean? Yeah, like and his, you, he had the two port one, if I remember. Yeah, but even then, I mean, God, Syracuse posted a photo in Slack of his new MacBook Pro at work, and it, it made me want to cry. What did I, he I can't get? imagine what it did to him. He got a MacBook Pro, but it's like he's in dongle country. Like mm-hmm. it's just dongles all the way down with him, and that's just the way it's got to be, you know? Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a strange time. There's this. I'm trying not to be retrograde. I'm trying not to be. In other words, an old man. But there is still this part of me that goes, gosh, I really wish they would have a tricked out MacBook Pro or similar with just a few more ports on it. You know, a dedicated power and then a whole bunch. But I, I realize that's not the future. But like, it, it, as we sit here right now, it is not easy and maybe not even possible to treat a laptop like a quote-unquote real computer anymore, which is strange given that a lot of people want to have, let's say, an iPad and they like the iPad for being the iPad. Right. They like the phone for being the phone. Yeah. They like the big desktop Mac for having all that functionality and the ports and all the stuff it can do and the firepower. But like, there's still this kind of weird series of asterisks and question marks around the laptops. Because yeah, they're really... And I understand. I really get it because you know what Microsoft has done in that space with the Surface is they've, they've worked really hard at saying, people like touching screens, so we're just going to make make it possible for you to touch the screen on your on your laptop and do things that way and apple said you know what that's actually not 
how we think people want to interact with a computer. Yes, an iPad is a computer, an iPhone is a computer, but we're talking about the regular old computers. People don't really want to touch the screen so much. So we're just we're going to we're going to give them something to touch. It's just going to be down here where they're used to touching stuff on the keyboard. And <laughs> I, you know, and I understand that line of thinking. It just doesn't it just doesn't work. Uh, and I don't know anybody. I have and I know mostly nerds, but none of the nerds that I know who have MacBook Pros or the MacBooks with the touch bar, I don't know any of them who say, I really like it or, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I don't hear I, that. I, well, I, I would go maybe even a step further. Well, further, closer, I don't know. I don't know anybody personally who I've heard say, for example, you get the microwave, you, you, you're waiting for the microwave moment title where somebody goes, I can't believe I ever lived without this. Right. Touch ID on an iOS device. It seems crazy now to never have had to, to, like I say, when I turn on my daughter's iPod touch, I feel like an animal. Um, But I have not encountered anybody personally who's had the microwave moment with the touch bar. Right. I don't know anybody. In other words, vis-a-vis, I don't know anybody who said my work has fundamentally changed because of this. And you know, uh, with a lot of Apple stuff, it might be edge case, corner case, unusual things, but when there's a big innovation, in the Apple world, there's usually at least a handful of people who go, oh, this changes everything for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anybody that said that. I, it seems to be uniformly, this is not the worst thing I've ever seen, and it might be useful for someone. <laughs> which is a strange... Which is, <laughs> right. I mean, no, tell me if I'm, tell me if I'm being unfair. <laughs> tell me if I'm being unfair. But like, I, I put two uh, articles into show notes. Uh, a Tidbits article called Making Better Use of the Touch Bar. And uh, our wonderful uh, Mac expert friend, uh, Stephen Hackett's The Touch Bar's Future, a couple things to think about. Um, I, and I'm not dissing it. Like, I've never even touched it. I, I, I don't know. I, I would miss the escape key, um, I know. Uh, I could see, you know what I'm imagining? I'm imagining it could be useful, could be useful for things like editing podcasts and videos it must be neat to like have a scrubber right you can, can like scrub through and something and, and slide mark it. an edit point and stuff like that yeah. that must be really handy for somebody i just it's just how about this you know if you're out there toot out us if you're somebody where this has been um where the touch bar has been revolutionary and let us know what it's changed for you is it editing is it um editing you know video and, and uh, media is it editing documents like is there a case where it has changed your game and you feel you know let's let's go from the microwave to the to qu- the quicksilver test mm. where like there was a time where i very much felt like i wasn't using a mac if i didn't have quicksilver and text expander it didn't feel like i was using sure. my mac do you get that feeling when you go from your macbook pro with a touch bar to something else do you do you feel like you've been defunctionalized i'd love to hear you don't need to be smart, snarky about it, but if you've got if you've got an example of that, I'd love to hear. I it. would love to hear that too because maybe I'm missing out. I have one. Tell me what I'm missing out on. Like I, I would love to hear from someone who's like, "Yes, Dan, here's the things that you're you can be doing with this that you should really love. I want to try it. Like it's here. I'll use it if if there's something to do with it. Um, yeah. But I, and you know, and I I just don't think Apple can back away from it now. Because they made such a big deal out of it. They made it such a tremendous, like, we've figured this thing out. We've got it now. Like, this is what you really need to be doing. And I don't know. I'm not sold on it. It's definitely one of those things where if you saw this in a demo of what the future would be like, 
at like the World's Fair in 1960 or whatever, right. you, it would blow your mind to say like, oh, I can't even imagine having a screen that I can touch to do things. You mean it's like my typewriter, but like it'll edit a movie? What? You know, absolutely. But you remember in, in Tron when uh, in the real world, Tron, the first movie where um, where the, the guys like got his keyboard, it just shows up under the glass screen of his desk. Right. And he's just thing. he's just typing on that. And then like it just goes away, you know, when he doesn't need it. Like that's sort of a neat idea. And I, I honestly do think Apple's trying to move into that with the touch bar. Whenever you see some new technology that Apple comes out with, mm-hmm. it's a stepping stone. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, you go back to the whole idea that, that um, reportedly Steve Jobs wanted to have an iPad before it ever occurred to him to have an iPhone, that he wanted a tablet right. computer. And, of course, when you think of tablet computers – before 2007, you think about those ridiculous, you know, Windows things where you flip the cover around and use a stylus <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff. And like, you know, that's that's the dream. And maybe this is, like you say, I mean, putting this on there, maybe some baby steps in terms of seeing what it would be like to implement something like that. Yeah, I think this is it's, like it's, it's hard. No, I was just going to say because like at, at look looking at the keys, the keys are are flatter and there's less travel distance and they're you know they're less and less and less and less and how long will it be before this what we think of as the surface of the stuff that we interact with on the MacBook Pro, which is right now made up of a touch bar, a keyboard, and a trackpad? How much mm-hmm. before all of that is just a single flat? surface they are training us uh just like the the overlords in uh, childhood's end by arthur c clark mm-hmm. training us acclimating us to their presence apple is training us to say there are going to be things on your keyboard that are just covered with glass and you just touch on the glass and and yeah, with the trackpads, they don't actually click anymore. They're just haptic feedback. And now we have this touch bar, which can be any keys that we want on it. And pretty mm-hmm. soon the keyboard itself will be. And in fact, now this whole thing is just uh, just a single if surface. If you need a keyboard, that's the right. other part of this. But, you know, there's there's two devices where, like when I first heard about the whole, like there's not you're not really clicking We've talked about this, but when I first heard about that, oh God, I'm really going to miss that physical button. I love my physical button. But the truth is I've got it on my phone, my iPad, and now it's in the touchpad on my adorable. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one thing I love on the adorable. I love the touchpad. I'm totally, I'm totally fooled. Like I think it's clicking. And when I do the long click, it feels different. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, uh, now the, when I use a device that doesn't have the virtual button, not the virtual, but you know what I mean, that it, it's, it, it seems weird. It seems unresponsive. It doesn't feel as solid and sturdy and dependable, even though I know it's an illusion intellectually, it really works fine for me. Maybe we'll get to that point someday with typing. But again, this is all what I was, um, I'm sorry, interrupting you. Uh, all I was trying to say was that, uh, you know, it's hard to know. Where disruption will happen and what it will be that causes the disruption, and that's what makes it disruptive. If we could predict what the future was going to be, disruption wouldn't be a thing. And, of course, we can only ever really gauge, practically gauge our guesses about the future based on what we've done in the past and what we know about you know, the near-term future. Mm-hmm. But this is another place where I think voice – I mean, where do you, can you imagine where voice is going to be in five years? Not for, not for writing Pearl. But for most of what you do, I see this in my daughter where she will always, and, and I know Syracuse's daughter does this, my daughter will always favor 
voice over typing. Like she goes up into the in Safari, she clicks in the location bar on the iPad and then talks to do searches. Which would that seems ridiculous to me. But that's what people are learning. Yeah. And that I think that is genuinely disruptive, especially when you combine it with all the Internet of Things things. Yeah. So I mean, finding new ways to use a keyboard if you think about that, does that really feel like the future? Because it maybe isn't the future. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I don't know. You know, keyboards, to me, if you think back to their origin in with as typewriters, essentially, you know, they came out with typewriters because they were something that you could you could use to create printed documents magically right there on your own desk. And it was cleaner and easier to read than handwriting. And in fact, mm-hmm. it turned out to be much, much faster. Uh, once you learned the keys, you but could... But it was a skill. You would go to school. Right. And you would learn how to use a typewriter. Right. But yeah. once you had that skill, you could, you know, you could type 200 words per minute. That's way yep. faster than anybody could write, even in shorthand. So, you know, I, I think for... If and when we get there with voice, I really think that um, that that that's going to be a powerful thing. And you know, in um, in the I don't I don't know if they, they went into this in the movie, but in the book Ender's Game, mm-hmm. uh, there is a little um, computer that uh, the main character communicates with through sort of sub vocalization. So I think that he has like a little earpiece in his ear, almost like a hearing aid or something like that. And he can kind of, it's not quite whispering, but he's sort of talking to the computer whose name is Jane. He's talking to her in in a way that really other people can't really hear, but because she's very good at understanding language, he's not even necessarily speaking in full words. He's just kind of almost mumbling, but she's able to understand that. Don't they do that? Like, you know, you get one of, the, one of those Keanu Reeves SWAT things. Don't, doesn't that exist now where you can put those little things on your throat and you can like sub vocalize to communicate without making a noise? Isn't that a thing? I, I don't know. But I mean, that to me, that kind of thing is, yeah. I think, very, very near to our current time. And, you know, the idea of having a an, an intelligent, voice based personal assistant that's always there, always listening, and that you can communicate with in a way that doesn't bother or that other people don't even hear. Uh, yeah, that's, right. that's way just, better just than Just so keyboard. we don't get email about it, Dan, subvocalization is the internal speech typically made when reading. We're probably using the wrong term. What we're trying to say is a way of saying words without producing the vibrations that would make them very audible, whatever that term would be. Um, I agree with you. Um, it's so hard to know. It's so, it's so hard to know. And the... I don't know. It's strange because, like, I, I don't know why. My brain's a little bit of a pudding right now. But I'm thinking about, like, when we go camping and all the things that we just would never even think to have. Like, we watch, we've been watching a lot of videos because we're in the market for a new tent. We've been looking at people's reviews of tents. It's interesting to see what different people bring camping, what they think is essential or not essential, right? On the one hand, you've got people who are doing real honest, like, backpacking with a, a, a small pack they're climbing things they've got the lightest and tiniest conceivable thing and we were watching this video last night of these people who had a heater and a generator oh, right. and a cabinet and a, a frame that raises their mattress off the ground and includes little tables on the side wow. which, I totally, which i totally want um 
But like, you know, think about what various people would consider essential for camping. For a lot of people, the basis, and we're, we're car campers. Like, we're, we can see our car from where we're sleeping. Right. Like, it, we're very white. And, but it's interesting, like, to me, that's not that, that different than computer stuff. You know, it's like if you go camping and imagine it's going to be like being at home except near a stream, you're going to be really disappointed. But if you try to strip it down to the really core elements of what make that experience work for you, you end up having a better time mm-hmm. than you would at home. That's mm-hmm. what makes it fun. It's not strictly analogous, but when we learn what these devices are capable of and accept that there's a little bit of a curve and some relearning on our own or some realigning of expectations, you know, you start, it's, I mean, it's not so different from moving from a horse to a car. You're like, I can't pet a car. You're like, well, yeah, you're not supposed to pet the car. Like, you know, it's like, that's all, it's a whole different thing. It just, it really takes a lot of self-possession and ongoing re-education to oneself to be open to the idea that these devices are becoming something different than what we're used to. I don't want to give up my keyboard anytime soon, but I'm also very open to the idea that like, well, okay, you know, what if your keyboard becomes more like, think of it this way. Think about um, moving from camping. Think about your kitchen. And like, there's the kind of gadgets and one-off things that you use for just this one particular kind of garnish with this one particular kind of fruit, you know? Uh, you know, what if more and more the keyboard becomes something you absolutely need five times a day, mm-hmm. but you might be surprised to find you really only need five times a day. Like, wouldn't that be surprising when you need it for passwords? Well, not if you've got that in there pretty securely and can use your thumbprint. You know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of, think about how much we do on an iPad without a physical keyboard. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. I don't know. Dan, I'm excited about the future. I'm keeping my eyes open. Yeah, you know, and embracing this Apple machine and the new sort of system of the way that things are supposed to be from their standpoint, I thought it would be tougher than it was, but it's fine. It's really fine. And, um, I, but like here's, but here's where you run up against something that is at this point not reconcilable. Really, mm-hmm. there's think about these two directions. You got you got uh, thinner client and you know broader client type right. things. On the one hand, there's so much stuff I can do with my freaking watch. Right, like I just put a Kanye West album on my watch while we were recording. It was that easy. I just clicked a button and now the album's on there. That's great. That doesn't need a keyboard. That doesn't need stuff. Like that'll all just work fine. Um, but think about on the other hand. My TV that now um, shows 4K videos. Okay, you want the fastest conceivable Apple product for making, for editing, making, exporting, doing stuff with 4K videos. Like, what are you going to buy for that? This is the cutting edge. The cutting edge now is you could watch this on your phone. You could watch this on your, right? You could watch this on your Apple TV. Obviously, it's going to change based on the resolution. But there are things that are very, very demanding. Things like making apps at this point, right? Things like, um, you know, building an app, things like uh, processing audio and video. There's nobody making podcasts that would be fine with things getting slower. You want all that to get faster, faster, faster. What about, okay, so you're in an environment where you're recording. It's weird how much stuff falls back to, yeah, you, you still really need a desktop to do that. That, that's, that's kind of a missing piece, I feel like, right now. And I don't see that going the other way anytime soon, right? I, I mean, can't, people I can't aren't gonna suddenly going to crave, on. people aren't going to suddenly crave 480i videos just because it's what they can make on the particular Mac that they have. That would be horrible. Mm, truly a land of contrasts. <laughs> uh, I got one more short thing. 
but I'd like to hear about a second thing that you like. I can tell you all about Squarespace. Squarespace! You've heard of them before, right? I know Squarespace. I did a Squarespace ad read this morning. You did? I am all over Squarespace, like white on rice, buddy. Nice. Like stink on poo, I'm on the Squarespace. What? I am all over it. Well, tell me about it then, Mr. I'm like I a, know I'm like everything. I'm a doorknob in a wet sweater with Squarespace. I'm like a crazy happy go jacky on that stuff. <laughs> and I'm all over the place. I got a podcast on there. I got two websites on there. And I recommend it to freaking everybody. This is the place to go if you need to make a web thing. You go to Squarespace. They're the best. They're the best. They've got beautiful templates. They've got e-commerce functionality built in. You can customize this thing like crazy, make it look... Com- you, you and I could start with the same template, and after about 15 minutes, the sites would look completely different just by turning little knobs and sliding little sliders. It's really, really easy to use. The you responsiveness is amazing. When I, we, I, I am at this point... Uh, somewhat surprisingly, ending, ending up spending a fair amount of time on a website that rhymes with Schmatreon. And I'm, I'm glad that Schmatreon is, wait, we're not supposed to talk about the competition, right? They're not really competition. Let me just say this. The CSS arrangements on some sites are still baffling to me. For me to tell people where to click to join, you can't give that same direction to everybody because it might, there might be an overflow error where it just falls off the page a little bit such that it's at the bottom on your iPhone, but not on your desktop and not on your iPad. With Squarespace, you have so much control over this, and it's not nerdy. It is not geeky. You get to make a beautiful page that is going to load great on every device. This used to be, this used to be part of my job was trying to figure out how to trick Internet Explorer into doing the right thing, and now they do all of that for you. It's all built in. I don't. I don't really. You know, as I look over the features, I don't really find anything that's missing. And that's a really good place Do you think it's feature complete, Dan? Be, be honest. Is it feature complete? They don't need to have it. They can fire their developers right now. It's done. Stop They're right done. now. Walk away. Yep. Mm-hmm. 24-7 support if you ever do need help. You can buy and register your domains there. They've got over 200 supported TLDs. And you can go there just to register the domain. You don't even have to. You say, oh, you don't want a website? Fine. Go check out the domain. And they've got a, uh, a special uh, feature for our listeners. Not a feature. It's a discount. Not a feature. It's just a very, very special offer code. 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. So next time you want a domain, go to Squarespace first and use the code It's Your Show, and you'll get 10% off that first purchase of a website or a domain. So thanks very much to Squarespace and the promo code It's Your Show for supporting 5x5 and Back to Work with Merlin Mann. Okay, I'll do mine too. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Back to Work and all the great shows. Nice. Just a big bag of ticks. Huh? La, la, la. Me. Bag of ticks. <laughs> That's not what it sounded like. It's like a, like a are you, Lyme uh, disease Yeah, thing. go eat a bag of ticks. Did you, um, are you watching The Good Place? Do you watch that program? No, should I be? Yes. Oh, I got to tell you, I just watched something. I got to tell yeah. you about this. Yeah, what? The Sinner. It's the from Sinner. USA Network made it. It's got Jessica Biel. Is that where characters are welcome? <laughs> yes. Okay, the center. Uh, it was a book, and it was made into this uh, eight episode, and it's only will be eight. It's a complete story, so it's not like Jessica there'll be a Beale. season two or anything. Jessica Beale and um, uh, Bill Pullman, is that his Pullman. name? Paxton? No. Pullman? Um, oh, you get Bill Pullman, the other guy. He, yeah, 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 I know Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman was the president yes, in, that, the president uh, in the Blowing Up movie. And a million years ago, he was in Spaceballs. But he's, he's not the one in Dumb and Dumber, right? No. 
Who is that? That's a, Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels, yeah. That's the other guy. Okay. Um, he's great in it. It is probably the best thing I've seen all year, if not the last couple of years. Uh, really, really good. And it when you start watching it, you, you kind of think, oh, I kind of know where this is going to go. Every time you think you know where it's going, you you okay. are wrong. And I will Say tell you what, no more. You will not be disappointed. Trust me on this. It's amazing. Okay. Amazing. I'm going into my dark materials here and adding it uh, as a program. Do it. Do it. Dark materials. <laughs> my dark materials. <laughs> I like that. Hunting, bu- hunting bucket. The center. Uh, I had one more that's really stupid, but we could also just cut it kind of short if you want. No, let's do it. I got to do another program after this. It's very exciting. Doing a lot of programs. That's a lot for you in a day. I wanted to talk. When are you going to get your nap? I, well, I had a nap scheduled, but now Syracuse is just uh, rescheduled with me Ah. uh, for tonight. So now I only have to do four hours of podcast, not six hours. I can have chicken with my family. It's Tuesday night. It's chicken night. <laughs> you can have chicken with your chicken with your family. That's what I say on reconcilable differences every week. I can't every other week. I can't believe I'm sitting here with you and being abused when I could be at home eating chicken with my family. <laughs> or my children play with their toys. Hooah! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's stupid. Uh, I this is so dorky. Somebody's gonna like this. Um, but probably not most people. This is something I mentioned in passing, that I didn't even realize I had a name for, that I wanted to just suggest to people as a meditative exercise. I mentioned this to Roderick. It's something I do. (laughs) This is so dumb. It's something that I do that I call power puttering. Power puttering. Power puttering. Power puttering. Oh. Power puttering. What happens in there? So what do you think of, when you think of somebody, you think about, this is a term you used to use to describe like a retiree with his pants pulled up, like a Mr. Wilson on a Dennis the Menace, Dennis is the Menaces. Like, you think of, what do you think of when you think of puttering? What do you think of somebody's doing when they're puttering? Uh, kind of like messing around with something, not really just kind of dorking around mm-hmm. with something. Dorking around. Yeah. Well, you know, as I get older and I realize I have waning uh, energy and interest and will to live, there are more things that I have found useful to accept. Uh, you give me a little stick aside, taking a nap helps me a lot. 37-minute nap is a good nap, and that does help me a lot, and I feel refreshed and I'm not cranky in the afternoon. That's something I do sometimes. I'd love to do it every day if I could find some way to do it, because it does help me. The other thing that I'm trying to, that I've accepted is that, like, I mean, you ever really think about how much of your time, especially at home, ends up being this kind of like administrative drag. There's just all of this stuff. Yes. It feels like there's always more stuff. I, I, it's, it's amazing to me. Like I was just, I don't know how people have two people in a household work and have kids and have all these things. I don't know how people do it without tons of help. But like one thing I do is I, I, call, this, I call this power puttering. And I just wanted to suggest this to people as a somewhat meditative exercise. You could do this on a weekend. You could do this uh, on a day off. I, this is usually my Thursday thing. This is my Thursday morning thing a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But I'll start the day, and as you know, or can imagine, I start the day with my little notebook, and I write down lists of things that are on my mind in the notebook, things I want to do. And so first of all, crazy thing, now that I've been doing that, and that is my morning practice, is to like write in a notebook. It's crazy to me how every single day I fill up an entire column in a moleskin notebook with stuff I need to do, stuff that I'm uh, working on, stuff I'm waiting on, stuff that I'm thinking about. That's the beginning of the power puttering as I start to make a list. Mm-hmm. 
And that has actually been really, really good for me. And when I'm done with it, I cross it off and it feels really good. If I'm going to do it tomorrow, I draw a line through it and make a little arrow to say, okay, put this on the list for tomorrow. Do that. But then what I'll do is I'll say, okay, here's some stuff that I know I need to do. There's some stuff that's essential to the house not falling apart. There's stuff that is ongoing, joyless, nobody notices it unless it's not going right stuff that I need to do because that's my house job. And there's stuff that I know is out there that I'm not really fully on board with that I know I need to be on board with. And so I start power pottering and I start with my list and my list will include things like there's a bunch of stuff I need to do in the kitchen. I certainly, I need to do, I need to, um, do the dishes and I start doing the dishes and it occurs to me, Hmm, I really need to take out the trash and the recycling and the compost too. And so while I'm working on that, this is, this is my ADD adult brain. Then my ADD adult brain goes, you know what? Before you take out the compost, you might want to go through the fridge and see if there's any food in there that needs to go away. Go to the, go drive it up to the farm and I'll do that. Sometimes I'll put on a list, but sometimes I'll just kind of follow my nose. And I find that if I allow myself to be in this mode of what I'm calling power puttering, uh, I get a lot of stuff done because a crazy thing starts to happen, like cognitively. I have a list of stuff I know I need to do. So like, I know like, ah, something, something, uh, toilet paper and paper towels. I know I need to like make sure, do, is it stocked? Is toilet paper in the bathroom? I know this is horribly mundane. This is my life. <laughs> I know there needs to be toilet paper in the bathroom. Well, okay, so if there's not toilet paper in the bathroom, is there toilet paper in the closet? If it's not in the closet, is that downstairs with the larger stock of toilet paper? Because you know what? Any given couple days, at least one of those things needs to be replenished. This sounds stupid, and that's okay. But there's probably a pretty good chance we could stand to have a couple more rolls of toilet paper in the bathroom. Conversely, then, there's now a pretty good chance there should be some more toilet paper upstairs. To get that, i got to go down to the garage. I go down to the garage, and guess what? We're almost out of toilet paper. Glad I caught that today rather than four days from now when it would have been a bit of a situation. But when I'm going down there, I say, you know what? I'm going down to the garage. Is there anything else that needs to go down to the garage? And you know what? There is. First of all, there's that trash and that recycling, that compost that needs to go down near the garage. There's also this stuff from our camping trip that I've been putting off taking downstairs. That saves me a trip. I do all of that. I don't know if you can see where I'm going with this, but if you allow yourself to go into this state of mind, power putter, the power part of power puttering is that you're not only getting stuff accomplished, but you're learning what else needs to be accomplished. And maybe, yeah, maybe I'm listening to a podcast, but I'm, I'm definitely not like watching TV. I'm right. definitely not looking at Twitter. My mind kind of just unwinds. I get to be like productively bored and doing something really mundane for a while. It's also kind of a nice time to think, but I also end up accomplishing a lot and realizing what else has to be accomplished. And it's ridiculously satisfying to go through that list and have all this stuff that I'm getting done. But I'm also kind of reconnecting to my environment and letting my brain have a little break and uh, I just thought I'd share that with people because power puttering has become one of my favorite things to do. It's not the same as just walking around, you know, like, oh, you know, uh, let's go see what's on the TV. It's more like, you know, this one door has this one kind of catch on the, um, you know, you close the door. What's the thing called? The little stopper thing that goes in the hole. Like that one's a little bit squeaky. I'm going to give that a shot at WD-40. And now I got the WD-40 out. So you know what I do? I WD-40 all the things. I'm walking around with paper towels. I'm walking around with WD-40. And now suddenly, there's like four or five things in the house that are working better. Maybe I put a little bit of the WD-40 on, uh, on this part of the door so that it closes more easily. This sounds really stupid. But if you give yourself a half day or quarter day to do this, you not only 
you reduce stress by getting a lot of dumb stuff done that generally just falls between the cracks or gets lost in the lights. It can actually be kind of both relaxing and invigorating. And I think you, you, the power part is that you're figuring out what else needs to be accomplished while you're getting things accomplished. It isn't just having a honey-do list and running through it. I don't know. It's just been a really nice thing for me. People have asked about it. It's taken on a little bit of a life of its own with people, and I just thought I'd mention that. It's something I will talk about more if people are interested in it. But the basic idea is you allow yourself to just be a little old man wandering around the house doing stuff, but also noticing stuff, noticing stuff that needs to be done that isn't done. And by virtue of the fact that you're not glued to a screen while you're doing it, it can be a nice little break and a nice way to kind of reconnect with your environment. That's my feeling on power pottering. Very nice. Do you ever do anything like that? Not not enough. I like it's it. It's stressful not to. Yeah, I think it is. Because here's the, the corollary or the analog, I don't know, is like you go, oh, shit. Like, I, uh, I got to go do the thing, and I know we're going to be out of toilet paper soon. Did anybody check? For, did anybody check for half and half? Nobody's checked for half and half. I don't use the half and half, but if the half and half is gone, it's on me, right? So that's part of the puttering. Now you go through, oh, guess what? Now I'm officially in my supply run mode. So I'm going to go through all the stuff that might need to be replenished. Right. Do we have Z-bars? Do we have milk? Do we have um, like salami for lunches? Like all of these things. I don't know. It's, and the reason I mention it here is it is effective, it is productive, but it's also weirdly meditative. To get into a groove where you're just going to do stuff around the house and office. I used to see Montero do this. At the end of the day, Montero would always walk through at, at Mule. He would walk through the office in this like glazed over state, just arranging things and cleaning up from the work of the day. And I, I think there's something to that. I think there's something frustrating about being always a little, if you're like me, a little anxious about what is not accomplished. And right, because it, wow, well, ordering it, half and half, that, that ain't that hard, Merlin. Why don't you just order half and half? Yeah, but how do I remember to order half and half? But if how do I do that without creating a productivity system? It makes sense to me, though, because if you're a writer, if you're a software developer, if you're a designer like Montero, there, you ver- it is a very rare thing where you get to say, that thing that I've been working on is done. You know what I'm saying? And, oh, uh, yeah. And, 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 and especially if you're doing client work where it feels like it can never be ever be done the idea that you can go and take that five or ten minutes at the end of the day and just sort of organize things like you feel like you completed something instead of saying well i worked for eight hours and i'm further along than i was yesterday but there's still three more months of work before i can call this thing done there's so much there's so many different projects in different states of disarray right it's just this ongoing roiling creative chaos (laughs) right that like putting some pencils into a cup Feels like you did something. I I think so, but I think also it's how do I put this? I think I think it's uh, if you are the sort of person that I'm feeling defensive about, where where you would say, "Oh gosh, that's really just cleaning up your house," and it, it is. But like I find it kind of an anxious and stressful thing if I know there's a lot of things that are undone. Now, one approach to that is to do some straight-up GTD, where you sit down and you start making lists. And that is a part of this, uh, as I refer to it, my process. Uh, part of this process is, yeah, it's going to be going in and making the list. But the beautiful part is you don't really understand what needs to be done on a project until you start on the project. This is a dumb example of that. But, like, you know, I, I see this with my kid. I see this where, like, she's beginning to do her homework in longhand before she's drafted anything and it just gives me the shakes because <laughs> I'm totally that guy that's going to do everything on index cards before I put it on the paper. But like, I feel like, yes, you're right. It is, it is nice to have some closure to those kinds of things. But I also feel like we sell ourselves short 
a little bit by acting like this is all nonsense stuff that somebody should just take care of. Right. I mean, you know what this also means? This also means stuff like, wow, we got a really nice, a lot of really nice photos. We should get some new fractures. And maybe that goes on the list now too. It's not all stuff that I'm going to do right now, but it's this ongoing sense of just getting a little bit reconnected with the environment. And I think it's a good thing. You know? I do. I'm going to think about it more. It's not a very fully formed, I wouldn't want to write a book about it or anything, but it's just, I, I haven't quite got my hands around it. But I, I know that it's something that's become very therapeutic for me. Um, I don't think it's a strictly OCD kind of thing, but like I, I guess the difference is I could sit here on my 5K iMac at work and make a list. And that would be great because a lot of these same concepts come up when you're making a list, right? That's how you, you beat procrastination, you brainstorm. Anytime you're doing something creatively, you just kind of want to unwind and relax your sphincter a little bit and say <laughs> just whatever's going to come out is going to come out. And that is all great to do. By typing a list or writing a list or drawing or whatever it is that works for you, that all works. On the other hand, you take a list that's done and say, I'm going to do these seven things and nothing more. That can be good too because that keeps you very focused. I think there's something kind of organic and healthy uh, in between of saying like, I'm going to do this stuff on this list, but I'm also going to be open to other stuff that needs to get done. And uh, it, it, it can be a mildly creative act. It can definitely improve your environment. And it also keeps you... It, it reminds one that life is a rally, not a race. You know, it's, there's certain points you need to be to by a certain time, but like you don't get credit for the year because you finished this one thing fast today. You got to do that thing a little bit two to five times a week. What does that mean two to five times a week? I don't know. Only you know. Like, you have to go out and figure out how often to go shake the frickin' half and half and decide if there's enough in there. You're the one who has to decide, should we, we have to do laundry because we're short on towels? Or do you make the cognitive leap to, you know what? These towels are really gross. I should order new towels. Like, how do you know? If you're just making a list, it may not occur to you. But then you get your hands around. You say, you know what? All this stuff is going to get donated. This thing is going to get fixed. And I'm going to have a little bit uh, of an oasis of calm in my life where I get reconnected to what's happening around me. And it's a very nice feeling. I call it power puttering. Power puttering. Power puttering. That was really stupid. You can cut all that out. No, I like that. Let's keep it. No, that show's never going to air. Yeah. Uh, we should thank our sponsors this week. Uh, what do we got? You, you, get, you got your Squarespace and you got your Bombfell. These are these are good companies. You can go out and uh, you can visit their websites and get some of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Get some of their bits and bites. Get yeah. some of their sweaters and uh, and uh, shirts and whatnot. I recommend it. What else is going on for you? Uh, it's raining like crazy here. Ugh. We're looking at getting a ridiculously large tent, an improbably large tent. How much and camping wife, are you guys doing? It's really fun, and it's not that hard. Camping once a year is difficult because you forget how to do it if you're me. You forget what you need, and you forget how to get into camping. But I want to do it a lot more. We, uh, we've had this wonderful REI tent for years that's finally starting to give up the ghost. The poles are getting bent. And so we've been, like I say, we've been looking at all these, uh, these videos and reviews of different tents. But, like, uh, it's – I don't know. I uh, – I, I really enjoy it. And like I say, we just car camp, but there's something really nice about just going and you get away, you have fire, you cook uh, some uh, bacon wrapped hot dogs. You know, we did get our stuff stolen by raccoons, which was kind of lame. But now we know for next time. This How is much of the stuff of, was stolen? All the sweet things. And they took it? They just took it? Oh, they're right in front of me. They just looked at me and were like, what? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Chase a raccoon? I don't think so. Did you chase well, the t- raccoon? I, I, I tried to chase them. I, I made flappy arms, and they still wouldn't move. I shot, I shot, I shot a flashlight at him. I'm like, have a little bit of that, trash panda. And he's like, what? 
light. What's it going to do to me? They took the uh, hot cocoa. They took the Z bars. They took the Snickers bars. They took the s'more supplies. They took only sweet things. And then th- there's a trail of trash to this little area in the woods, which we went, we went out just to see. And, of course, there was all of our stuff, but it was also people from other camps, all of their stuff. They had a little, little trash panda cash. <laughs> you live and learn. You, pay, you power putter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin.